All right. Should we get started? Yes. Hello. Did you hear how important sprockets are? And getting, um, your, getting your chain put on correctly? Did you hear? No, I didn't. Somebody didn't put Tyler O'Hara's chain on right in the bagger class today. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I can make light of it because he's okay, but there's like this growing trend across the motorcycle community to see who can outdo Mark Marquez in the high side department. <laughs> well, I guess with that news, should we roll the intro? Not yet. How are you doing today? I wanted to roll the intro. Okay. Roll the intro. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. Are we back? Oh, this hat hurts my head. And we're back. We're back and live. And I'm doing great. It's a great day. Kind of. Man, that was like a cliffhanger rolling into the intro. Make sure you was okay. Yeah, I know. I really threw everyone off with my... I wanted to roll the intro. So, what? <clears throat> fortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, we're recording just a little bit earlier than normal this week. That is true. It is Saturday, not Sunday. We haven't caught the, the Sunday events. Yeah, but... But we've still got a lot of racing. Uh, Saturday was a busy day. That is true. That is true. I will say, uh, just to, to break the water on the MotoGP front, it's kind of a boring day. I don't know. I didn't watch qualifying because, well, they're in Italy. So either wake up and watch the race live or wake up super early, watch qualifying first. But after you watch the race, there's no point in watching qualifying. So nah, that's partially fair. I watched qualifying and then went to work. On a Saturday? No, How dare just- you? Just putting my own bike back together. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I did a little bit of that today myself, but not my own bike. You'll be excited. You'll be excited. I, I became a member of, have you Have you heard of CrashedToys.com? <laughs> I have heard of CrashedToys.com. I have perused that website a couple times. I thought right, about buying well, a newer Jixer from there once or twice. Well, I'm intrigued, yet irritated, yet... Let me explain. So I signed up for CrashToys.com, became many, a member. How many bids do you already have in? A lot, but no. <laughs> so that's why I'm irritated. Uh huh. It's ninety nine dollars a year. Okay. Yep. For, which is fine for a standard membership. Right. After I paid the ninety nine dollars, then I got in there and realized there's not that much I can bid on without having a license to buy salvage vehicles. Yeah. Hold up. What? So a lot of them are at auctions. So you need to be a auction. You need to have your license, like a used car dealer license, so that you can purchase from the auctions. They don't just let anybody buy a car at an auction. Well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so so then it brings up these options to go get brokers to bid on them for you. Which costs you more money, I assume. I would assume they'll take a cut at least. Yeah. Hmm. So... But man, there's a lot of people out there that like to wreck their BMW before the first thousand miles get turned. Crazy, isn't that? Yeah, that's where all those all those statistics come from. Did you know that a a single male under the age of twenty five is likely to die within the first six months of owning a sport bike? That's a wives' tale. Uh, that's a statistic. I don't know if it's I, true anymore, but it was back in the day. Well, I, I mean, I've heard said statistics, but I'm on the kind of a you know 
not keeping this motorcycle. My mind was a little bit blown just yesterday on a statistic. Uh, and what was that? Maybe not a statistic, but a statement. How many times mm-hmm. have you heard over the years that the Japanese did not invade the United States because it was stated that there was a gun behind every blade of grass? Uh, I don't think one? I've ever heard that before now. Well, I've heard it a million times. Just assumed it was gospel. Okay. So it came up on something and I started doing a little research and there's no verification that that was ever said. There's no documentation. There's no, <laughs> it's just something people have always said. Right. I mean, it's a true statement. Sure. True statement, but uh, no verification. But back to motorcycles. Yeah, I'm watching. So you can set it up. It's pretty cool. You can set it up so it, like, you know, our local one ads, it'll bring up bikes closest to you. Mm-hmm. And got my eye on one in Ogden. Got my eye on a couple in Colorado. There you go. That's not bad. Well, well hey, if you do, if you do see a newer, like post twenty seventeen Jigs or thousand, yeah, keep me in mind. I guess I don't know. Actually, you know, I've been. Uh, so I've been tossing this around. I think you and I both know that due to the way that my work schedule works out, racing isn't necessarily super doable just due to the consistency. But it will be in the future. It will be. And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, taking the 750 at that point and making that a track race bike, just I don't know if that really makes sense. Why? Elaborate. Well, I don't know. And it, it, it'll depend a lot on the next few years and how much I end up kind of, because I'm thinking maybe I just start doing little things here and there to get it closer and closer to race ready so that by the time that time hits, it's pretty much just ready to go and it's not like a huge crush over one winter, right? But I was just thinking about it. I was like, it's a 2008 and it's a 750, which puts you in some really weird classes because most places are broken up, I think, by 600, right? 600 and below or 600 and above. So I'd be racing thousands all over the place, which, I mean, we all know she's an S1000 killer, but I don't know if she actually is. So... Oh for oh my gosh! Don't get me going this early on. I mean, how long is this gonna? How long is this thing gonna be? What we got a date coming up, and I ain't taking your crap anymore. Well, okay, on that front, you got brand new tires, <laughs> Dunlop R7s. As do you? As do you? Slicks? No, I don't. They're coming. Yeah, I'm not putting them on. Saving those for Arizona, and then you've so got. I'll, let me do the first round. You sit out, and then we'll just call it square. I mean, I, I'm not. Like worried about new versus old tires. Like, I do kind of want to put them on because uh, it's a new aspect ratio, and that's going to make a, a difference. I should be able to feel that difference. I'm kind of excited about that. And then, you know, I just threw new sprockets on your bike. Uh, if you haven't seen that video, we'll have a link up above. But yeah, man, uh, it should be a rocket. I have not torqued down your rear yet. And the reason for that is because you are going to set your own freaking chain tension because there's nothing in the world that I hate more than setting chain tension on a bike. Why? I don't know. I actually like every time I do it, I set the tension with the little tensioners and then I go torque the freaking bolt and it somehow moves the axle back as I do it. And I've tried like positioning my wrench every which way, but somehow it tightens the chain up more when I tighten the axle nut. So I always like try it twice and both of those times it ends up too tight. And then I try it once and it's like way too loose. And then finally I get it like just right. So, so, so I was, I was making jokes before, before my Beamer shelled its nuts. Mm-hmm. I was, I was making jokes because I went through tech twice and had, you know, for race day tech and had them tell me, hey, yeah, your chain's pretty tight. Yeah. You should probably loosen that up a little bit. 
and uh anthony actually was making fun of me he says your chain is too tight you should probably loosen that up a little bit i loosened it up right before the round and then it blew up and then it blew up so the chain <laughs> chain might have been the only thing holding it together that's funny you know i was i was actually kind of laughing about that because everyone i've had very similar right and i've i'll be honest i've never gone out and actually measured like but they say an inch to an inch and a half right of play in your chain and i've never gone out and actually measured it but i've sat there and flipped it up and down and it's like well, it looks like three inches but we'll call it good and then i go and they're like eh, just watch that chain it's a little tight every time like that's like every time you go someone's like yeah that chain might be a little tight you just you know just watch it when you're hitting those bumps in this blah turn um i had the same thing on the aprilia actually i took the aprilia and he's like yeah just watch that chain you know it's like what? okay whatever and then i was looking at my book this weekend while i was changing out your sprockets and it's got the chain tension and it says 0.8 to 1.2 inches of movement and I was like sitting there flipping my chain on my 08. And I was like, that's like definitely two inches from bottom to top, right? I'm like, that's not, but I've been told that's too tight. And then I went and played with yours, which actually looked like an inch and it just felt like taut. And I was like, there's no way that's good. Like, that's not going to work. It's that's too tight. So kind of interesting. And I know they say, well, on the, you know, track tightness is different than street tightness. I've heard that thrown around a lot. So that's an interesting thought. And I know why. Also, the thing that I forgot while I was doing it, 0.8 to 1.2, but when you sit on your bike, that should, I believe, tighten it up. Yes. So that brings in the question, am More I only... More for me ever, than you. Yeah, but am I only ever looking at it while I'm off the bike and not taking that into effect? They usually put a. They usually put both measurements in there. One for with a rider, one without. Interesting. I'll have to take another look at the book. I just remember seeing 0.8 and 1.2, but I guess I didn't look to see if that was... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, your bike is now re-geared, down one, up two, still 525, but uh, if you watched that video between then and now, or I'll just tell you, the stock front sprocket on a Gixxer 750, I didn't know this, because when I've changed mine out on mine, it already had aftermarket, has this like weird kind of chain carrier thing. So it's got the sprocket, and then it goes like wider around the sprocket, and it's got this little, like, it's got little grooves in it like little round grooves for the chain to sit in just like a chain guide but it's on the sprocket i don't know it's kind of weird the new sprocket that i put in doesn't have that so it's half as wide and it's got holes drilled in it so it's lighter the rear probably about the same weight hmm. well i coincidentally just put a 520 chain on the 22 bmw re-geared yep down mm. one in the front stayed the same in the back for now but never stuck okay i have i have bought the corresponding sprockets even color coded them so that I could tell which one was a 45, which one was a 46. I've got extras. I'm a racer now. i got to have extra parts in the box. You know, I thought about taking different sprockets around with me on carriers. And this brings up, I was thinking this too. Uh, while I was changing your sprockets, I was laughing because I was like, yeah, you know, I've been told, read on plenty of forums, been told before, if you're going to change your sprockets, change your chain and vice versa because they wear together, blah, 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 whatever. Right? How often or when have you ever taken your rear tire out taken the sprocket off and marked it before you took it off to make sure it goes back on the same tooth. Never. Never. Not once. Ain't no one doing that. There ain't no time for that. There's no point. I think that's a myth. I oh, do agree true. that a, a worn down sprocket could wear a chain faster, but I've also heard people say that like, well, if you go down in the back, it's less difference on the chain teeth, but it's going on the front, you'll have less wear something, blah, blah. I like just this huge argument on a form about why you should change the back over the front. And I was like, this is ridiculous like because I, I was looking for actual evidence of like do you get more torque feeling out of one vice the other really all i could find was a bunch of old dudes arguing about chain wear hey 
So hey, old engineer old, dudes, old dudes. Okay, thank you for the clarification. Yeah. Old, like way out there. Well, let's talk about some racing. Racing. All right, we can talk about racing. Um, can I? Can we get golden underpants out of the way real quick? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was laughing this weekend because the commentators finally admitted to I think what we've been saying all along. I don't know if you caught it, but during free practice or practice or something, I think it was just practice one, they were talking about Mark Marquez and where he's going to go and all this, and they talked to the HRC guy, whoever it was. I forget his name. Anyway, Simon. Simon Pooge. was down in the pits with... Simon Crayfar with Pooge. Yeah, with Pooge. And, you know, he's like, so is... Have you heard anything about Mark? Is Mark staying with you guys? Or, you know, where's he going? And he's like, I don't know. But he has a contract with us next year. He hasn't told me anything. I'm like, well, have you guys, like, looked around to see who you would choose if he did leave next year? And the guy's just like, no. He has a contract with us next year and hasn't said anything. So, no. I'm, we're hoping he stays here. If not, then uh, we don't know what we're going to do because we're planning on him staying here because he has a contract and he hasn't said anything. So anyway, there was that discussion and then they were talking about it and they're like, you know, they finally cracked into what I think, what I've been thinking all along. And I don't know if we've really mentioned it here, but he has been, he's had his bike, his name painted over all the bikes, right? right. Everyone's talking about everywhere he's going to go. He's going to go here. He's going to go here. You can hop on YouTube and find 30 different videos about Mark Marquez, and they'll even have him in the new leathers and all that crap, right? All of that's fake. I don't know where he's going yet. No one does because he hasn't announced it. He hasn't even told his own team anything. Most likely, if you're asking for my opinion, this is purely opinion so that we're not spreading false information, he's going to stay right at Honda because he hasn't said anything to them. He still has a contract next year, but that's just opinion. The issue, not the issue, the funny part is that who are we talking about right now? Mark Marquez. Mark Marquez. Who has everyone been talking about for the past months? Mark Marquez. Who has been doing absolutely terrible this season? The commentators literally said it. They said, you know, we've been talking a lot about a guy that's been sitting in 20th place. Actually, he was sitting in 20th place right at that moment. He's like, we're talking a lot about a dude that's sitting here in 20th place. So it kind of like clicked in my head that riders get paid a lot of money by their sponsors. And in order to keep their sponsors, they have to keep the camera time. So their sponsors get the camera time, right? Because if you are a terrible rider, you're never going to be on the front. Or right. you're never going to be in, in the camera, right? Because you're never going to be up front. The camera's going to be on the front. So you're not going to get that time. And the sponsors are going to drop you because they're like, yeah, well, I've never seen me on TV because you're never on TV. So Mark Marquez being not so good this year, be it because of his bike, because of whatever, who knows, who cares? That's not what we're talking about right now. Has possibly let all these rumors just kind of float and fly and spread and whatever, purely to keep his camera time really high and to keep his name all over everything. And then I was laughing because I pulled up MotoGP.com, as I do for most of our podcasts, and on the front page, the bike clearly in the middle of the front page is Mark Marquez. Like, literally the main shot. It's got Mark, the Leish, and Alex Marquez right behind it. But it's like, you could have picked any other picture from the race. Those bikes aren't really that spread out in a race. And who's in the middle? It's Mark Marquez. So, anyway. So, to, so to tag on to that, it is my opinion that he's... He's still got it. He can still ride a bike. Okay. But in all honesty, that's just an opinion. That's just a, a feeling because you take away a couple moments this year. He hasn't <laughs> done anything that if he wasn't Mark Marquez would make you think that. That's true. That's true. He has fallen back to, I mean, he had his like super downsides, which if you just kind of delete those out, he would appear to be a very average I make the same argument with Joanne Mir because Joanne Mir obviously wants out of there. He wants to go somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you can, for him, I would think you could have that strong opinion that he obviously has of wanting to get out. Yeah. But you would think you still need to showcase that you can ride a bike. Yeah. Because if, if I'm watching that, I mean, you're trying to live off a championship you won two years ago that has been clouded more and more as the weeks go by. Yeah. No one really remembers. <laughs> like, it's almost rare that, you know, they, they say when they're talking about riders, they, they try and give them credit where they can. It seems like they'll be talking about Quattararo. They'll be like, yeah, two years ago, world champion, Quattararo, blah, 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 blah. Eight-time world champion, Mark Marquez. Nine-time world champion, Valentina Rossi. Current world champion, Pecco Bagnaya. Danny Pedrosa, multiple-time world champion. Danny Pedrosa retired in 17. He's back, you know, whatever, right? They, if you have a world champion, they're bringing that up. With John Muir, it's like kind of rare. They almost have to like remember themselves and be like, you know, it's crazy. You wouldn't have thought this, this guy had won a world championship a year, two years, three years ago, whatever it was now. You're like, yeah, well, weird. Well, weird that works. Not, not to jump ahead, but because this doesn't give anything away, but Joanne Mir did finish last again. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't show it that way in the results, then it's just because it was a sprint race today. He got a long lap penalty. Yep. Multiple chose not to that. take it. They gave him a second long lap penalty. And as far as I could tell, I mean, they never showed him on camera, but there was only three laps left when he got the second one. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he took either one of them. Interesting. I, I wasn't so, even really paying attention to that, honestly. So my, my Wi-Fi was really, really bad. So I was watching. You know, I swear. Let me off motorcycles for a second here. Sorry. You know, if you want to pause it, skip ahead 15 seconds. Go ahead. But it makes me very upset that uh, Wi-Fi has only gotten faster, but videos have only required more internet speed, right? right? And so, like, I'm like, you know, this is worse quality than if I had just watched this 10 years ago with slow internet and poor video quality. Because right now, it's, like, so blurry that I can't, I couldn't even tell if there were bikes on the track at points. It was bad. Anyway, that's my rant there. Yeah. Now you know how it feels to look at the world through my eyes. And you're racing motorcycles? Yeah. I hope no one ever cuts you off in a corner. Just, <laughs> I, think, I think hopefully they don't ever have like eye tests and stuff. Well, they do when you renew your license at a certain age. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not on motorcycles. But, uh, <laughs> All right. One of the guys we was racing with in round three, mm-hmm. we went to head out together. We we're going to go hit the track together. And he's like, ah, and he stops and he's like yelling, wanting somebody to bring him his glasses. He had forgot to put them on. Hmm. And he's like, I can't see anything without these. And I was like, yeah, me neither. And he's just kind of looking at me. He asked me after, you don't wear glasses? I said, no, I do. You didn't have any on. I know. <laughs> Sometimes you got to drive by Braille a little bit. Do you want to hear Joanne's mirror, Joanne Mirror's uh, response to the, to the race? <laughs> Give me the Grassini seat. Well, he said, all right, I'll just read you his quote real quick. He says, after this morning, we decided to go one direction for the race. And at the start, I almost made contact with Morbidelli, which meant I lost a bigger opportunity to recover more positions in the first corners. From then, I recovered a few positions. I enjoyed the race more. The feeling on the front was better, and I was able to ride the bike how it wanted. I got as high as passing Stefan, but then I got the long lap penalties for touching the green at the end of the last corner. The message appears in sector one, where you can't really look at the dashboard in MotoGP. So I saw just seeing an orange light. I then did the long laps, but it was very complicated. Complicated. I know tomorrow can be better. You know, I wish they would just not make things up. All these riders, when they do something not good, they're like, I know we can do better tomorrow. It's like, no, you're not going to do any better tomorrow. (laughs) Sorry. 
I know he isn't. And it is not something to brag about that you could beat the test rider no. of your own Honda team. No, it's not. Did you notice their changes, though? Yes. They got some uh, some stuff coming up there. I know the, the announcer said something about exhaust changes. They seem to notice a lot of stuff, which I know that's Simon's whole that's job. That's all but... coming from Crayfar because he's down there in the pits studying them. Yeah, and he used to race and all that. So, But they had that like very obvious kind of spoiler tail up thing at the back which should help with their rear grip problems they've been having with or having. And then Stefan Brottle had some giant silver box on the back of his bike. So staying with that, we can go back to that, but you've seen KTM was running a full carbon fiber frame on Danny, Danny Pedrosa's bike. Was it them? I knew I heard someone mention something about carbon fiber frame. I thought it was Yamaha, but KTM makes more sense. So I think KTM, my understanding was K, Danny Pedrosa's bike had the carbon fiber frame mm -hmm. and Aprilia is also playing with the idea. Interesting. Okay. And so they were saying these guys are stepping it up again. Uh, Ducati is the last one to have tried that. So yeah, I know that was a, there was like a thought for a little bit, and then the carbon fiber was just not quite stiff enough that it didn't. It wasn't. I think it was consistency, if I remember right. Like it didn't always bend the same. It didn't always react the same. Right. From and so. Yeah, so like sometimes it was great. I mean, obviously, it's lighter weight. It's just a strong whatever. We know all the benefits, but the downside was that the riders would go into a corner and be fine and then take the corner the next next lap same way and feel completely off, completely different because it would just react differently all over the place. So at least that's my understanding. I'm not a carbon fiber expert, but... So they said the last time Ducati tried it on track, mm -hmm. they were the last ones to try it. They said it was 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and Sounds I'm sure that technology has come a long ways too. Yeah, that's the other thing is that there are always things going on in the background. And there's a, there's like different carbon fiber blends and blah, 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 blah. So it'll be, uh, I'm excited for Monday. We'll probably end up talking about that next week, depending on what, what happens next week. Maybe a couple weeks from now. But what comes out of the test for the 2024 bikes, kind of, I think that's all I'm really going to be paying attention to. Because it seems like if you watch that for the timing to see who puts down the laps, it doesn't really matter. Like you can use that for your first few weeks of like fantasy if you're playing MotoGP fantasy next year if you start to pay attention now at who's looking good or and like things like that then sure but beyond that it's just it's just testing for the team so they're really just there to gather data they're not there to set record lap times so right well I was going to say Ducati they had their little fork mounted wings going mm -hmm. on that was kind of interesting I, I really question how much all these things do I like, don't know so we mentioned a minute ago about Joanne Mir, big deal if you can pass Stefan Brattle. Mm -hmm. How bad do you think Brad Bender wanted to pass Danny Pedrosa? You know, probably pretty bad. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, probably I was, pretty bad. They're lucky there wasn't a couple more laps because I think he was going to push the issue. Yeah. So Stefan Brattle specifically, as long as I've been watching, hasn't ever really been great when he's out there riding racing not not that he's a bad rider he's there as a test rider so it's not really his job to go win races but he's never like yeah if your factory rider or even your satellite rider is behind stuff and brought all usually that's a bad sign danny pedrosa that guy can still ride a bike absolutely like they talk about it and they're like man you know maybe he's regretting retiring whatever maybe honda's regretting not keeping him on their team blah 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 but like you watch him come out this is his second time this year and he i mean he can i mean Mark followed him around to get it into Q2. So, so you seen still ride for those at home that maybe haven't watched the race and are looking for the spoilers. Danny Pedrosa was behind Bagnaya for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Did you see his comment after he said, 
he's gotten a little rusty on the overtaking. <laughs> I didn't catch that. No, I thought that was funny because he had him a couple times. Yeah, he had him no, a couple times, probably. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, he was like right up there with him, and you know, they did mention a, a good comment that I heard was that he's a clean racer and he's also a test rider. And he knows that Bagnaya is sitting in first, and if he gets wrecked out, then that's going to take him down. So, I did hear a comment on a podcast. I won't, I won't mention the name of the podcast, but I'll say uh, you would have appreciated it. They said when Bagnaya got ran over last week by Bender, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they said for him to come out of that without any injuries, they're like, he may really be a robot. <laughs> Those may be mechanical legs. And I went, uh... who says that all the time? Yeah, Who weird. That guy is a robot. Weird. No, <laughs> I, I was laughing about that with the wife today because she was talking about Bezekchi or something. One of them, one of the two that had pretty big injuries, and then how the commentators. She's like, you know, if they're if their painkillers are going to wear off by the end of the race, they either they need, need a lot more painkillers or those painkillers don't work, right, or something like that. And I was like, yeah, but you got to r- realize that these dudes are paid to hype up the race, so they're like. There's times you hear him be like, yeah, man, that guy's dead. And he's still out there pushing that bike like nobody's business, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And it's just. <clears throat> there was one of the worst ones. One of the worst ones happened during the sprint race. I thought about you bad. when I heard it. Lap one, corner three, probably. I mean, we're talking early. Right at the beginning. Okay. Bagnaya snuck past Bezecchi. Mm-hmm. And did you hear them say, Bezecchi's, oh, it's got to be killing him. <laughs> I didn't catch it then. No, I didn't his, catch it till later. Yeah, his wrist or whatever injury. It's got to be killing yeah. him. I'm like, <laughs> they just started, man. They haven't even really figured out the lineup yet. Yeah. You know, they're still kind of jockeying for position. Nothing's settled down yet. Yeah. That's his wrist. Yeah. I don't know. I had an announcer in the Moto America race today. Definitely don't want to mention that guy's name, but he went off on a tangent. Somebody like the bike slipped or moved and and he just went, that rider right now? He's thinking, I've got a little loose there. And the guy in front of me, he's got this different tire on. So I should probably just slow down and then I'm going to follow him. And then about four laps in, that's when I should probably turn it up. And he just kept going and going and going. I'm like, you didn't only read his mind, man. You read the whole script. It's yeah. like, how do you know what have that guy's been, thinking four corners? Have, have into you been the in that scenario before or something? Like, <laughs> I mean, and I get uh, some of them probably have been, but yeah. I don't think they can. Speaking of announcers, if you if you ever get the chance at home or anything and you just want to hear what great announcers sound like, just watch one of the Moto E rounds. Oh, you yeah. don't have to you don't have to enjoy the motorcycle. You don't have to enjoy electric bikes. You don't have to just listen to the commentators they have for that. <laughs> Well, they have to be good because there's no noise in the background. <laughs> Those commentators get so excited about nothing. You That's know, good. somebody will come around the corner and they're just, they're screaming. You know, it's like the last touchdown in the Super Bowl. They're, they go nuts on every single corner. I love it, actually. That's what you want. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was kind of a boring race, I think. It, it always cracks me up. The, the riders can be injured and, Man, that injury, it's insane that they're pushing through there. But then they're out there still running, like, insane lap. Like, obviously, Bagnaya is fine. I wouldn't so, have expected him to do any better if he wasn't, quote-unquote, injured. And I'm, I'm not trying to, like, disregard him at all, but they definitely take that a step further than it needs to go. Agreed. I do believe he was hurting. If you watched him uh, pull into the oh. podium or whatever they call it. Yeah. He didn't want off the bike. He just the whole weekend they had to put his uh they had to engage the launch control or whatever the rear ride height device. Sorry, they had to engage that 
just for him to get off the bike. Yep. And then the yeah, whole I'm weekend sure. he was like limping upstairs and all that. Yeah. I'm sure he was hurting and I'm not taking anything away. And I don't believe you are either of the pain. These guys are racing in. It's just the commentating is the, the funny part of it. Yeah. But I would challenge you. I don't agree with you on the race being so, so the sprint race, just from Brad Bender's perspective, mm-hmm. guy is starting what fourth, fifth yeah, screws up, yeah. screws up the start. Mm-hmm. Takes him all the way back down to 10th, you know, mm-hmm. right off the line. And then had to come back through everybody. And I mean, I would have thought you found it a lot more exciting because there was some bar banging with Mark. Uh, Danny Pedrosa ran into Mark. I mean, they were touching, pushing, leaning on each other. So, like I said, my my internet speed was not up to par. So I might have been missing a lot of stuff. Oh, you might want to go back and watch that. I might have to. Brad Bender rode like a man possessed. And I kept thinking, I mean, Brad Bender, I'm quickly becoming a bigger fan. I know you are as well, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to... I mean, it seems like the the underdog fight, you know, and maybe that's just because I built him up in my head as an underdog, but he kind of came out of nowhere this season. Like, he was a a one-off guy. Like, he'd do okay randomly, and they'd be like, man, Brad Bender, right? He's the future of... We've talked about that before, but then this season, like, he's following it up. He's... Now they're talking about him like he's been racing for 20 years and he's the best breaker in the world and good luck out breaking Brad Bender. I'm like, he just started doing that three races ago. Like what? Well, but I mean, he's keeping you get up, your, so. you get your Wi-Fi fixed and maybe go watch that again. Because I know we had a argument episodes ago about Brad Bender versus Jack Miller and who was getting more sideways. Mm-hmm. Brad Bender gets the trophy. He had mm-hmm. that bike. So sideways today when he was behind, yeah. when he was behind Danny trying to, like I said, I was thought, Danny, that guy's possessed. He doesn't want to lose to you. You better you, you better get your 37-year-old self out of the way or you're going to be going to the hospital. You know, back on back on Pedrosa for a second, the samurai, if you will, uh, you said that he said something about his passing not being as good or not. Rusty. Rusty, yeah. There you overtaking go. was rusty. How much has the overtaking been changed by Arrow since he retired? A lot. And I mean, according to the riders, it's almost impossible to pass. You know, they, yeah, you, you talk about, you talk about subjects too, where announcers just get on something that used to be all they talked about for yeah three or four races was nobody can pass anymore. And then now you hear some of the riders like Aleish last week, Aleish talking about Bastianini running into everybody mm-hmm. said, you can't do it all at the first. There's plenty of opportunities to overtake. And I'm like, Wait a minute. I'm pretty sure Aleish was one of the main ones saying in current MotoGP, you cannot pass. Yeah, you can't pass. And last week, uh, him and Aprilia and everything was amazing. And then this week, something's wrong with the bike. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It just That just struck a, a string with me. Thinking about Bedrosa and being being rusty, but also how much the bikes have changed. And I, I believe that there definitely is more. I mean, you put more aero on a bike, a car, or whatever, there's going to be more turbulence behind it. And part of that is there's like a, a couple parts to that. One, like, okay, it's just naturally what's going to happen. Two, how many teams are doing that stuff on purpose to make it harder to pass their bikes? And then three, what does that mean for the future of MotoGP? And are they going to go, start going stupid like F1, where they have to... It's too hard to pass, so we have to change the rules and make everything all crazy. That's like that's my biggest fear with Arrow. Is it's not it's not that Mark Marquez can't hang. It's not that you're gonna have robot riders. It's that 
Dorna's going to have to come in and start putting rules and regulations all over the freaking place to make it so that the racing is still fun. And I'd rather they just build insane bikes, which I guess Arrow has to be there to get that power. We'll, we're still hitting new lap times. We're still doing all that. So it's a, it, it feels like a no-win situation. You can either stay in the 2010s or we can keep going the way we're going and hope that the teams stay smart about it so Dorna doesn't have to interfere too much. But. You realize, I don't know if we talked about that on here, but you know, Gigi's been Gigi Delinia mm-hmm. from Ducati. He's been out saying that they need to slow the bikes down. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He said they need to slow the bikes down. Did we talk about that? He publicly, I don't think so. He publicly said maybe they need to think about lowering the CCs to 850. Interesting. But it's, Would they really slow them down? No, it wouldn't because now they get faster in other areas. They mm-hmm. carry more corner speed because they don't have the power to come out of the straight. So they find ways to make it up in other places. It'd probably change it very little first off. Second off, if you want to slow the bikes down, just take the fins off of them. Yeah. And yeah, he, if you make them, make them go the slower. That, he, he's the guy that created the fins. So I don't know what he's talking about. He's yeah. the one that's bringing arrow all the time. He's the one that yep. started this. I was looking up because I didn't remember there being a limit for horsepower in MotoGP. Not to my knowledge, as long as they homologate the motor. Yeah, which is why but now I'm seeing 240, 240, 240, which that sounds way too low. In December 2nd, 2016, someone said there is no BHP limit in the formula, unlike in other classes. So instead of hard limit on power, they have to theoretical one in that, blah, blah, blah. But a GP bike typically delivers around 250, as much as 280. I'm pretty sure, but the first hit was from December 16th of 22. MotoGP class is powered by a 1,000cc engine with a maximum of four cylinders that produce up to 240 horsepower with a top speed of 225 miles per hour. What year was that? That was last year, 2022. So anyway, I don't think there's a power limit. I can do a little bit more research into that besides just if we don't need to. But that was my thought was if they lower the CC to 850, are they going to lower, are they going to bring a power limit in? Because would that really, pretty sure the engineers are just going to be like, Okay, taking another four thousand RPM, like make it make it produce the same power with a smaller engine. Which I mean, you still be lighter weight and things like that. But I don't. Anyway, I mean, I know that's not necessarily what all he yeah. meant by that. But I don't think it makes sense. We have a whole generation. They've made those changes in the past. I mean, that wouldn't be the first time they changed the CC level for sure. But I think right now we got to leave it. Yeah. Well, especially because your six hundred and seven fifty CC bikes are going away, or your six hundred super sports are going away all being replaced the thousand cc like screaming sport like that's a sport bike now that's all you really have is a leader bike that's within the next three years i'm willing to bet that's that's your option you either go buy a, a leader bike or or you have to buy something else so a yamaha y-a-b-z-d-b yeah the yamaha alphabet good job so in the sprint race jack mm-hmm. miller was non-existent he wasn't really existing all weekend so he was consistently slow I don't know. Did you hear the latest rumor with him? No. The latest rumor with him is that KTM has offered him twice his salary to become a test rider and make room for Pedrosa or uh, Acosta. Excuse me. Interesting. Okay. And he was asked about it this weekend. And he said, they said, is there any truth to that rumor? Blah, blah, blah. And he he looked at him and said, well, that sounds pretty stupid, doesn't it? (laughs) But I'm pretty sure the KTM guys... It's based in reality. It's coming from the KTM brass. It just hasn't gotten to Jack yet, apparently. Yeah. That, I don't know if that is stupid. I mean, that twice the salary. You still get to ride bikes. Opens them up for racing more in Australia. 
And I don't Maybe. want Jack to leave MotoGP. Don't get me wrong. But, like, he's just got married. He's got a kid on the way. That was what... That's why there's... That's why it seems to have substance, the rumor. And a, a test rider could... Unless KTM's just trying to get him off the seat nicely and they're going to contract him as a test rider for two years and then dump him. But a test rider, had, I feel like, has more likelihood to stick around for a long time. Well, that's true. And Jack would make a hell of a test rider. Just saying. I think so. Can, you but... say he can ride anything like... What better guy for a test rider than some than someone that can just hop on anything and go put down good lap times? But I think it's kind of a slap in the face. The dude's hungry. Yeah, he wants to win races. That's what he's there for. He's not he's not just finishing out some career. He's still got a fire in his belly. He still wants to win somewhere. Yeah, I mean it, it, this season he's kind of fallen off. But there's also a point. You know, you can't blame people too much because you get a hundred, two hundred. 150 points behind the leader i mean you got to be realistic with yourself and then what's the point if you're going out there and, and take that with a grain of salt I, I understand you know i'm coming from a weird angle here because you're a motorcycle racer you get paid to go try and win races and every win you still get a trophy you still get a win that looks awesome you get points for your team points for and all of that but there's also a point where it's like you know he does have a kid on the way he did really well at the beginning of the season he knows he can ride the bike well then he started to kind of fall off why not just kind of ride the bike safe finish out the season you got a contract for next year still ktm's like i don't think they can really come out and just break that without paying them a lot of money which is probably why those rumors are starting to surface plus it's near the end of the year where everyone wants to make rumors for everything anyway but i don't blame jack too much not worried about him i think he's going to come back hot at the beginning of next season i think there's be another question next season of whether or not he can keep that through the season so i guess that's fair enough but there is big win bonuses if you win that is true. You know, and speaking of... I don't, I don't think it's about the money with him at this point. He wants no. to race. He wants to win. Yeah. I don't I don't know if there are too many people in MotoGP that have finished within the top 10 that it's about money. I think... And, you know, we've talked about how MotoGP gets paid so little. Take that out of the equation. They still get paid a lot of money. I don't think Maybe. any of them are there for the money. Maybe Maverick Vinales? Maybe. At, at times? Maybe? I don't know. I know, I know you're not a huge uh, Top Gun fan there, but... Well, he's coming on. He's racing right now, but take out the most recent. He was at Yamaha. He was winning, and when he couldn't be the top, he like kind of got the attitude, I don't want to play anymore. Mm -hmm. if, if he didn't think he could be the number one at everything, then he just wanted to take his stuff and go home. That piss poor attitude got worse and worse and worse, deteriorated the relationship between mm -hmm. both of them. Then we went from to the infamous firing. Yep. That and is then, still talked about today. Yeah. When he came back to Aprilia, it took me a while to even think he wanted to be there for any other reason than a paycheck. My opinion of Maverick and Aleish both is that they both need to get the hell out. <laughs> I know you want to see your beloved Aprilia on top. But... It's not that. I think they're they're plenty capable of like doing well, but they're not capable of winning. And it's not even, they could be on Hondas right now. They could be on Ducatis right now, and I think I would say the same thing. Alicia's they, won two races in the last four. They have been, yeah, but he did that last year. He did that the year before that. Hey, that's the first time he's ever won two races in a year. So he's improving. By the time okay. he's 60, he ought to be champion. Next year, he'll win two races. And then the year after that, two races. And then maybe he'll win three. I went back and watched a lot of old races, and I kept seeing their names. And I was like, what the, like... Holy cow, like I'm talking 2014, 2015 type of races, and Alesh was there. Maverick's been around not quite as long, but quite a while also. And there's a point where if you're not proving anything, it, like if I didn't have hope for Mark, I'd say you should get out of here. Rossi, about two years before he retired, 
his last two years, you heard me say it. He shouldn't be here anymore. He's doing himself a disservice. He's making a disgrace of himself out there. Which he didn't really because he, didn't he was make still... a disgrace of himself by any means, but he was no. he was taking a seat from a younger rider that could have got the yeah. opportunity. Right. And there there is a point where people just hang on for too long. They just don't they don't need to be there anymore. Why doesn't Aleish go be a test rider for Aprilia? It'd be better for him. He's got a family. Obviously. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, hey, speaking of tr- salaries, I found a, an interesting... Where did it go? No. Hang on. I was Googling before the episode to uh, just make sure we had some things. Because I always like to see what Google has. So I typed in Moto America News. And right down below, it has people at, People also ask, how much do Moto America Superbike riders make? And I was like, that's an interesting question. We've talked about that a little bit. So I clicked the down arrow. And this is from MotoAmerica.com. Superbike premier entrants receive a guaranteed purse distribution of $3,500 for each of the 20 Superbike races, which totals 70000 for the 2022 season. That was posted on March 25th, 2022. So that was last year. That's from MotoAmerica.com. So it's not just like made up out of nowhere, but it is saying, I think, if you're riding the like Superbike, this, what is it, mission this mission, year? Yep. Medallia Superbike. Yeah, Medallia. Thank you. You make thirty five hundred bucks a race. Nice. You need to add more races. You know, that's a that's a seven thousand dollar weekend. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like seventy thousand a year just to ride motorcycles. Well, yeah. Put me on a bike. I'll go do it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, there's a reason that not anyone could do that, and hopefully, they're getting money from other places and whatnot. But well, let's go back to MotoGP and finish that up. So, right. Jorge Martin. Won the sprint race. It'll be interesting to see if he can do that again tomorrow and do the double. Mm-hmm. But Bezzecchi has got something for him, it looks like to me. Yeah. Taking all of it together. He was right there running with him. I think he was probably disgruntled when Martin got to go home with the track record instead of him. Uh, but, yeah, I thought Top Gun was probably mad about that the whole time. He's always mad about something. Yeah. But Jorge Martin won the race. Bezzecchi came in second. Mm-hmm. Bagnaya held on for third with the hard charging Danny Pedrosa behind him in fourth and right behind him. Yeah. Right behind him. Rusty on the passing, overtaking, because he should have overtook him. And Brad Bender getting ready to eat both of them. Yep. With that couple more laps, I think Brad Bender probably could have fi- finished that podium spot. But that's neither here nor there. It'd be interesting to see what happens tomorrow when Brad gets a better start, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, he should get a better start for sure. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see tomorrow, period, because Pedrosa was right behind Bagnaya, and Bagnaya's hurt. He's hurting. He's out there. He's Bezicci's hand, okay, but Bagnaya's, like, leg, I'll actually give him a lot of credit for riding the bike as well as he did with that. I mean, it got um, ran over. Nobody can deny that. Yeah, really. That was pretty, yeah. But, yeah, it'll be an interesting race tomorrow to see if he can – he can hold it out for the whole race. I don't want to sound like a commentator here and be like, man, you know, he's got to be in a lot of pain, but there is actually that, uh, Pedrosa is a good racer. Bender will probably be right there with him. If not well in front of him, possibly, maybe, I don't know. I could easily see Brender Bender just hitting the front right off the bat. Like he has so many times Yep. this season. It seems like from 15th, you know, yeah, it should be a good race tomorrow. Unfortunately, like we said, we apologize not being able to cover it this week due to scheduling, but yeah. All right. 
Let's talk about Moto America. Moto America. Because Moto America, there's three, two. There's some big storylines over there that I want to touch on. I only got to watch the Stock 1000 race today. Moto America, if you're listening, please fix your app. Please. Somehow. Do something. Let me tell you what I had to do today. I don't know if it was the app's fault or not, but I did watch the Superbike race. Mm -hmm. But I waited and I waited and I waited because it wouldn't ever post. Right. Then I just got the little whiz wheel of death forever. Yeah. And I, I couldn't get it to go off. And so I was like, I wonder if this thing's on YouTube. I hop on there. I could watch it on YouTube before I could watch it on the app I pay for. And that's not right. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, you pay for the app. The app is one, like yesterday I was trying to watch qualifying from stock 1000. So on, on Friday and I pulled it up and I put it on my TV and I think I was I was watching live Stock 1000 qualifying from Houston, but the title of my video on my phone said Pittsburgh. It said Pittsburgh at the top of my TV, and it had Pittsburgh like somewhere else. And so I was like, "What is what is going on?" And it took me until the end of qualifying to figure it out. I realized that it, it was Houston all along, and I was like, oh, "Okay, well now it's over." So, hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, their app is. It's rough. So but. here, here's the storylines I wanted to talk about, though. Okay. One, Stefano Mesa, who races Tyler Cycles, Super Sport bike. Super Sport, okay. He also races the he races an electric bike in the Hooligans class. Mm -hmm. Stefano Mesa took Cameron Bobier's seat at Tyler Cycle. Today? The big BMW. And I thought... So I love Stefano Mesa. He's he's a Colombian guy mm -hmm. from Florida. Very interesting just to hear him talk the struggles. I've I've heard him on a lot of interviews in the past and mm -hmm. it's always been a struggle for him just to get to races. Uh right. most years he ends up skipping like the West Coast. Well maybe that a lot of years he just can't afford to come out and do Laguna and the Ridge. So he just stays over there, but the guy can ride any bike they stick him on and he got okay, yeah. he got Seen he got now. called up to fill in for Cameron Bobier, and I thought, well, that's cool. Well, but right he, he's already racing two classes, and he's third place in Supersport. Okay. He doesn't have the ability to climb the ranks anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's locked out in points, but he is holding that third place spot. Mm -hmm. So when this offer came in, they gave him a, joy, a choice, or he had to talk to his teams, and they told him he needed to drop one of his classes. Right. He chose to drop Supersport mm -hmm. and race the, what is it, Energica electric bike in Hooligans, I think is what that's called. I haven't so followed he, the Hooligans at all, sorry. So he drops the Supersport bike. Yep, okay. The third place, mind you, Supersport bike. I mean, this is a good team. He's won races this year, and it's a good bike, right? Good bike, good team? Yeah. Kayla Yakov got the call. Okay. Yeah. Kayla Yakov got to do her first super sport race. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she's been over in Europe handing people there. You know what? She's yeah. been winning races over there. She's been doing awesome. Yeah. And so they brought her. She's here. She jumped on the Tyler cycle bike. She went out and qualified, I think, 16th, which there's uh, a lot can... of bikes in that class. Yeah. There's 29 from the look of it. So right out of the box, that was great. I would also note that that is not only hers, but okay, let me back up a little bit. So normally Moto America goes to Coda with MotoGP. Right. When True. they do that, 
there's not time for all the other classes to run. So the Medallia Superbikes are the only bikes that end up going for that weekend. So it was pretty much everyone's first weekend at Coda. Yeah, so first, you've got all these time. kids. If they haven't done a track day, if they haven't done, you know, some other series there, it's, it's their first time. And then add to that, I mean, we know a guy that was dealing with these same problems, but mm-hmm. add to that, that track is so long that yeah. if they give you a, a one-hour session or whatever for warm-up or 30 minutes or whatever they're doing for your class, you don't get that many laps. So you don't get to see the corners very as much as you would on a track yeah. half that size. So I'll also point out that Coda's not a not an easy track. No, and my only experience with it thus far is on a video game. So take that for what it's worth. But even on and a video watching game, MotoGP live there, sure. But I'm I'm saying like watching a race, even and on either camera, one of those are on track. So yeah, right. <laughs> like watching a race live, watching a race on camera, you never get a feel for the track. You and I both know that you don't get a feel for the track until you ride it. I will say that I, th- I think a video game gets you at least a little bit closer. Or watching like some live footage from like track view but coda is like there are some weird corners there i want to go ride it real bad because i like technical tracks i think it would be fun but it there's not like a single part of it where it makes sense it's just all over the place it's not a flowy track it's just purely like no you're gonna go right you're gonna do it again now you're gonna fly left now you're gonna have this stupid long super high speed corner now hairpin now a 300 mile an hour straight almost not quite Super long straight, and then another hairpin. Like, it, it's just... Anyway, I can't imagine going there for the first time for a race weekend and doing anything close to good. So, very impressive for everyone there. Kayla did awesome in race one. We'll see what she does tomorrow. She's making improvements every time she's touched the track, and I, I think that's pretty cool to see. She's just barely old enough to ride that bike. Okay. So, that's her, and then Stefano Mesa. He won his Energica, or he was on the podium in the elect in the Hooligans class. Yeah, it took second. Also his first time at that track. So he's he's learning the track. He's learning the Tyler Cycle Superbike. He's just had to be a busy weekend for him. Mm-hmm. But I think he f- finished 11th in Superbike. Uh, okay. yeah. Hang on, hang on. Ninth. Ninth. So there were a lot of... I didn't catch a Superbike race. Am I missing something there? There were four did-not-starts and... So seven did not finish this. I didn't get to see if it was related or not, but there's poor Heron. He had a mechanical. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of, so it's been like up to like 106 degrees there. It was hot. Well, I mean, yesterday when I was watching qualifying, they said 108 ambient. And then today they said track temp was 110, but I don't know if that was like the asphalt temperature or if that was ambient down at the track. Probably. Because the track uh, yeah, is probably way hotter than that. Yeah, but, I would hope. I was like, well, it cooled down a lot, or you guys are still talking ambient. Yeah, but but either way, I mean, we've been there when it's 95. And I don't even know if it was even that warm. I we were know, there in miserable. April. I'm, yeah, no, it was hot, but I'm pretty sure it was only 80s. It's a dry heat. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's worse. You know, dry heat, dry rain. A dry snow, that stuff will really get you. Dry, dry snow, that's the greatest snow on earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, that was exciting. You know, my I've had a few little texts back and forth with our friend. Mm-hmm. And it's hot. I believe it. Uh, yeah. Dealing with the track for the first time. Said the track wasn't bad. 
I'm excited to talk to him some more about that. He did have, I don't know if you caught that when you watched that, but he did have an extremely awesome start. Oh, I, I don't know. It's hard. It is so hard in Moto America, I feel like, because I, the riders, a lot of them look very similar. I agree. Especially a lot of the uh, privateers. Yes. There you so. go. Well, he made, I believe he, 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 he made a little bit. No, he made up six spots into turn one. He was up six places. That's the other freaking thing with Moto America is they didn't even get their freaking tree on until like the sixth lap. And yeah, then they just a- flashed it whenever. I think they were having, maybe it's because of the heat, but I think they were having transponder issues because it would just come up when they crossed the start finish straight. And then by the first sector, it'd be down again. And I also wish sometimes they need to, Moto Ameri- or Moto GP doesn't do it enough either. But I want to see. I know there's not room on the screen for everybody sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I wish everyone some more often rather because they do do that sometimes. But more often, I wish they'd cut like a segment out and go from like tenth straight to twentieth and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Just every once in a while, just to blink in. Yeah, to bring them up. I want to know how bad Joe Amir is doing. I wouldn't even be too mad about a, a double wide get their names out of there a little bit more and, and just put it twice as wide with two rows. Yeah. I'd like to see. I mean, TVs like are getting bigger and bigger. We got room. That's true. That is true. What are you going to say? say? I mean, I guess the other people are getting older and older and can't see anymore. So they need the bigger TV to keep up. That's what I do. So the, <laughs> so yeah, Moto America looked exciting. The championships over in the medallia Superbike, So, I honestly focused in a little more on the other classes today. Mm, okay. Yeah. Wasn't as, wasn't as worried about what was going on up there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Ghania took it again anyway, so what do you know? Crazy. Yeah, I will say, uh, I, was, I was thinking about it today. It's nearing the end of season for everything. I know that because I uh, invited someone over to watch a race tomorrow, so Sunday, the race. He's like, well, I'll probably be home watching football. And I was like, uh, football, football preseason he's like no it's actually week one i was like ah that means my season's almost over and i have to deal with listening to people talk about football at work all day so um but you know it got me thinking you know at the beginning of the year we were talking this is gonna be an amazing moto america season everyone go watch blah 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 and we kind of let you guys down a little bit on that i think um but i will make a promise that next year all all around i think moto gp is gonna be sweet i think there's gonna be a lot of people that should be back on their feet There'll be a little bit of shuffling around and some manufacturers should have spiced things back up. I really hope. And I hope because Yamaha needs to be back in the picture a little bit and Honda needs to be back in the picture a little bit. I think think Honda might be closer to that than Yamaha because I heard that Quattararo went back to his bike from 2021. Yep. So that's a big step back. It's not so much the bike, just the baseline settings. He said they, at this point of the season, he said, you guys have done everything you could with the bike. You've changed it up. You've changed it down multiple times. We've made it left. We've made it right. And he said, the only thing you've done is made it. He said, every time you touch the bike, it turns worse and worse and worse. That was our strong point in the past. Mm -hmm. And it sounded to me like he'd rather go way, way back. Like he, but the problem is it's not, Way, way back, turns good, but it's not fast enough to keep up. Right. The new yeah, bike can't well, do either. I know. Well, that was the that was the thing, though, is at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Franco for a second because Bezzecchi said he kept up with him on the straight. And that was the question was, had Yamaha finally, Yamaha finally figured out their power issue and just can't handle it now? 
but it doesn't, I don't know. I hope that Morbidelli sees some uh, improvement wherever he ends up. So let's go full circle real quick while we're on Morbidelli. Okay. Earlier you said the Joanne Muir statement was that he got tangled up with Morbidelli. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see how that happened because did you see Morbidelli like pretty much stalled his bike? At the start, yeah. He was he was like a corner behind everybody at the start. Yeah, because he got stuck on the start. for. I didn't see it, but I heard him talking about it. So unless Joanne Muir was right behind him or something, then that screwed he, him up. He still passed Muir, Brattle, Nakagami, Piero, and Augusto Fernandez. Augusto Fernandez, the guy that has proven that he belongs in MotoGP. Come on. I don't know. I mean, I can't say that Raul is doing too much better, but Raul did better than Oliveira this weekend, so... Or Saturday, anyway. KTM would have more money if Pole wasn't riding one of their bikes. Yeah. He crashed three of them this weekend, I believe. Well, he tried to make it so that he couldn't do that anymore, and then... Luckily, he came back from that one, and now... Yeah. You know, I was laughing at that, too, though, because Jack wrecked a bike at one point this weekend, and I was, and then came back... I think it was in qualifying. Came back in and was able to get a get back out there on a bike, but it didn't ever finish it up. Maybe it was at the end of practice. It was at the end of practice. I didn't watch qualifying. But I was just like, man, those are, those are like $500,000 motorcycles. And these guys just dump them and then walk off, which I know they're not allowed to pick them up or whatever. But like, can you imagine you're out racing in Utah, USBA, and you just dump your Suzuki or your, sorry, your BMW, you know, corner one right off the start, just gone. And you're like, man, all right, hike back to your tent, grab your next one and just go again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It would be uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, it, I would like to see what the, because uh, they've always got the second bike there that can use that. That's great. Um, but I would love to see what the mechanics do when they actually bring it back. And they're like, what? What did you do with this thing? <laughs> like, all you did was, which his, his lay down was a pretty, they said something and you, you could notice it too. His front wheel guy, like, was kind of bouncing on him and then just finally said, like, one hard bounce too much and gave out and, a nice low side, but I've seen the damage a, a small low side can do. I just can't imagine being the mechanic that every week, like, another one. There's another one, and another one, because it seems like it, almost every rider is dropping at least one bike a weekend, which I know that's true. That's a very big exaggeration, but it kind of feels like it sometimes, so. I don't know. Mark makes up for the ones that don't. I had it's, to say it. He's been doing a lot a better minute, that way, but right. still. It's been a minute, yeah. He's had some weekends, though. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> definitely did he's he's had some weekends where i feel terrible for his mechanics it might have been honda telling them like hey man freaking stop we don't we're we're not gonna win it anyway just we we can't develop your new bike we're constantly fixing your old one yeah all right well well uh moto gp again in two weeks right no next week are that do we have him again next week maybe it's two weeks i'm pretty sure it's two so there's something we haven't talked about also, because I can't talk about it yet, because this is what I'm doing after this. But World Superbike happened, or is happening this weekend as well. Okay. And somebody got the pole. Who? Garrett Gerloff. Oh, baby. On a All BMW. Right. Oh, man. He's out there oh, saving man. his job. Oh, man. Americans yeah. in motorcycle racing. So speaking of Americans in motorcycle racing, so World Superbike, we can talk about that later, but... I'm really hoping right now while we're recording this that Garrett Gerloff won that. You know, he was 10 seconds ahead. Mm-hmm. Complete domination. The race has already happened, so I don't know because I haven't watched it yet. 
But where are they right now? Where was they in uh, France? What, what's it called? French? No, it's a place I can't pronounce, and I don't want to look right now because you'll give away who won. Uh, I mean, it says 10 September Pirelli French round. Magnacor is that? That doesn't sound like the French round. I thought they were at Magnacor. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But okay, sorry. We've got a, we've got a no names announcement to make. Maybe. Yeah, soft, could... soft no names announcement. A what? Soft. Like it, uh, we're not a hundred percent yet, but we're never, we're never a hundred percent. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you that. We're not ever a hundred percent, but yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, go ahead with your announcement. I was just gonna say we've got. Stay tuned. Coming up, hopefully next week, we've got okay. an interview with a great American motorcycle racer. That's possibly, not me. possibly the uh, has the possibility of being the best of all time. Yeah, I mean, so does any baby born in the United States this year. But he has a more legitimate chance than anybody else we know. Definitely, definitely than you or I. We've had some firsthand experience with that. So, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. We'll uh, we're we're doing what we can. If if you've been listening, you should already know. But we're we're pretty sure we'll have him next week. So that'll be good. Yeah, exciting. And yes, it is. MotoGP is in two weeks. You should be arguing with me that it's in three and that two weeks from now isn't going to happen, but two weeks. India, India, baby. We're going to India. For the first time ever, I believe. For the first time in a long time. First time ever. For MotoGP, I think. Okay. F1's been there before. That's right. That's right. Looks like a pretty interesting track. Not really. I don't know. It's kind of like a Z. Anyway. Uh, Yeah. Stay tuned for that. That'll be in two weeks. Uh, hopefully a good guest next week. The best up-and-coming American motorcycle racer of all time ever. Definitely faster than me and most definitely faster than you. And uh, This is bullcrap. You still doing this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And speaking of that, uh, in about a month, we'll be heading to Carolina Motorsports Park. And we will both be posting our legitimate times on this podcast. Yes. Yeah, we will come out with actual lap times. On an 08 versus an 09, Chickster 750. Yes, we, we will both be posting lap times. Maybe we'll even swap bikes to see if it's just the bike. Who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, and then Arizona later in the year. Um, no one commented last week on what you want us to do with the freaking FC6R. So I lowered the seat. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I did, actually. It was kind of cool. It's You take your, your rear seat, your passenger seat off with the key. You have two little Allen heads on the back of the seat. You take those off, and the seat comes off. Okay. And then you take where those went through. There's a rubber grommet with a metal washer grommet thing. And there's a set of holes on a bracket above it. So you just move those rubber grommets into the bracket above it, which would obviously lower the seat down. So I did that. And then I put, tried to put the seat down, and the holes didn't line up. I was like, what the? And I look, and on the side, there's like the plastic for the... So the seat's got rubber stops on the bottom of it, four of them, right? And the plastic part underneath it that the rubber hits has another little like bolt on either side of it. And you move that forward and it even says like high and low. So I moved it to the low spot and it actually dropped the seat like quite a bit. Pretty noticeable. Kind of more comfy that way. So interesting. Kind of cool design. I started to wonder why other bikes don't do that. And I was like, well, I don't actually know if other bikes don't do that. So I can't talk too much crap. So anyway. I don't think a lot of bikes do that. I know in, in Harley land, they have the little fitting station in the dealership so mm-hmm. you can 
try different seats. Interesting. Here's your $25,000 motorcycle. Would you like to spend another 6000 for a seat that is half an inch lower <laughs> or higher? Uh, that's true. We know, all oh, don't worry. We already know that you spent an extra 5000 on all your chrome and leather while you were here. Uh, all right. On that note. That, we'll call it a night. We'll call it a night. Um, like. Yep. Subscribe. Yep. Comment. Comment. Tell us what to do with the Yamaha. Please. I mean, I've only got like a week. I got a rubber mallet all warmed up and ready to pound the tank down. So it would make a great stunt bike. So yeah, see, especially with the seat lower. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like a trials bike now. Yeah. We could put knobbies on it. Okay. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.